15th of 1966 and December 15th of 1967. So 13 months. Wow. On December 15th, 1967, something happened that threw Pleasant into the national media attention again, and that was the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Mm. The Silver Bridge was the main thoroughfare connecting West Virginia and Ohio. And this bridge had been built in the 1920s. In 1967, on December 15th, at rush hour, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, there was a failure on the stoplights on both ends of the bridge, so it was completely lined with traffic. Oh. At a little bit after 5, that bridge collapsed. And 47 people lost their lives. Oh. Two bodies were never found. Oh. It was, at that time, the single largest natural disaster uh, on U.S. soil to claim that many lives in one time. At, mm. at that point in time, there have been others since then. It actually jolted the American population. Uh, it actually spurred action by Lyndon Johnson, he implemented uh, an investigation into the entire infrastructure of every bridge in this country. Wow, that I remember. To make sure, to make sure that this never happened again. Right. Well, after that, Mothman was never really seen in and around Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. So there are those individuals that develop this, this mythology. You know, was he there to cause the crash? Was he there to warn about the crash? Was he the Grim Reaper? Was he the angel of death? How did he tie into all of this? And, and Kiel does an excellent job in his book, and I highly recommend individuals, you, you, and you can still get a copy of his book. I had the opportunity to talk to Kiel on, on several occasions, interview him for the documentary. Wow. He was a recluse. And it, was, it took a hell of a lot of work on our part to get him <laughs> to just talk with us, but uh, he, he had become a recluse later in life made very few appearances and, and even fewer interviews. Oh. But um, he does a good job in his book of just basically chronicling everything that happening. Uh, he makes some guesses in the book, uh, and, and his, his theories changed over the years. Um, he started out thinking that Mothman was an ultra-terrestrial, something that exists in a different uh, realm that we are able to catch glimpses of from time to time. To Interesting. The possibility Mothman hmm. was an extraterrestrial to the possibility. I mean, there have been theories that Mothman was uh, a cryptid, which I, I do not believe. I do not believe that Mothman is, falls into the cryptid category. Okay. Um, and that, that's my personal opinion, and, and I've stressed that in the, the lectures that I've done. Um, some think it's a mutation from the TNT area. The TNT area uh, is, is actually was referred to technically as the McClintic Wildlife Preserve, uh, and it had been a TNT ordnance works during World War II. They actually, there are still numerous bunkers uh, in igloos that are covered in, in uh, dirt and grass and, and uh, things to keep from being seen by airplanes during World War II. They stored trinitrotoluene. TNT and other mm-hmm. chemicals in this facility. And so uh, individuals have thought, well, was there a mutation? Was this some animal that mutated because of the chemicals between the 40s and the 60s? Mm-hmm. Aliens, extraterrestrials. One of my favorite theories is that it was actually the pet of some UFO visitors that got loose, and that's why the UFOs <laughs> where they were trying to find out. I've heard every possible, every possible theory as to what Mothman is, was, could be, uh, and, and the the theories are, are extremely outlandish. Like, you know, something gets decrypted, like Bigfoot, like Ness Monster, Sasquatch, uh, the Yeti. I think it's a very interesting story 
And really what got us interested was visiting the town. We visited it in, 19, in, in 2003. So in about four decades, this town was still divided. Wow. Some people said it happened. Some people said it didn't. Uh, and it was also economically depressed because when that bridge collapsed, it was 10 years before a replacement bridge was completed. 10 years. Uh-huh. And it took, it was only a two-mile-long bridge spanning the Ohio River. But to get to Gallipolis, Ohio, which was on the other side of the river, you had to go 10 miles upriver to the next bridge, cross it, and drive 10 miles back down. So it's a 20-mile trip to go just two miles across the river. Wow. Wow. When, you, when we were in Point Pleasant for the first time, there were no franchises. There were no chains. It was all still local-owned businesses, local restaurants, local uh, hardware stores. All of the economic development had occurred on the Ohio side of the river. Wow. So it, it was very interesting to look at the economic impact, to talk to individuals, the original eyewitnesses, who were still just traumatized uh, 40 years later. Wow. Uh, and had had problems talking about it. it. It took about nine months of convincing Linda Scarberry to come on camera. Her husband, Roger, still has refused to this day to talk about the events of that night on November 15, 1966. Wow. Uh, we, we offered... Uh, we didn't pay anybody for any interviews, and I, I've, I've stressed that because I, from a journalistic standpoint, uh, I have it, the, the interviews had to be... Um, Christine. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, what we did offer to Roger Scarberry, though, was that he could do the interview. We wanted to get it and record it. And if after talking to us, he was still not comfortable letting his interview be seen, we were going to give him the, the master when we left that day. Hmm. And he could keep it and choose to do with it when he wanted to. But wow. for us, it was very important to try to get as many of these original eyewitnesses. They were teenagers in the late 60s. Hmm. You know, that puts them in their late 60s, early 70s now. now. And Linda Scarberry, unfortunately, passed away uh, in oh. 2011. Oh. Uh, I, got the, I actually got the phone call from her, from her daughter. Uh, the morning that she died, uh, oh. to just let me know and uh, to thank us for taking, you know, such good care of her mom when we did the interview and and letting her tell oh. her story and not not trivializing it and not sensationalizing it, but just letting her tell her story. And, and that in that itself is know, extraordinary, you know, to have it, that daughter call on I, the day. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt really good that day about that uh, right. and about the way that we approached uh, the documentary film because you know. There had been little snips and pieces, 30-minute segments or 15-minute segments as part of an, uh, anthologies talking about Mothman, but nobody had ever done a feature-length documentary, mm-hmm. and that was what we wanted to do. So we really, you know, we, we were very, very adamant about doing this and doing it long form. So when we interviewed one of the eyewitnesses, there was no edit. The interview started, and the camera stayed on the uh, the subjects the entire time so there's no edits there's no oh well they they made it sound like they said this or they made it appear there's none of that because it is mm-hmm. one long form interview from beginning to end wow and uh, in the original cut of the documentary it was uh, it was like Peter Jackson length it was like four and a half <laughs> hours long 
when we uh, when we got finished with it, okay, we got to keep cutting, and we kept cutting and editing down. We we got it to a manageable seventy five minutes, so that's feature length. Um, wow. So it was it was a, a good time. It, it was a good run time. We we debuted it. We premiered it there at the Mothman Festival two thousand nine. Uh, originally, uh, we were supposed to show it one time seven o'clock on Friday night. Um, we ended up doing two shows on Friday night. Oh. It was requested that we show it again on Saturday. Saturday. We did <laughs> two, if not three, shows on Saturday of the film. Wow. Uh, and then we, we, also, we also premiered it in Virginia uh, and in our hometown at a theater uh, a couple weeks later. But it did make its world premiere uh, in Point Pleasant at the State Theater on Main Street there uh, in Point Pleasant. And it was, it was six years worth of work. Uh, six years worth of financing, six years worth, six of, years worth of editing, I guess, you know. Six years worth of editing, hours six years, yeah. And because all of us had had other jobs while we were doing this, uh, I was director of marketing and PR for a hospital. Uh, Matthew, who is actually my cousin, uh, was a um, uh, worked for the Department of Corrections in Virginia. Wow. Charlie McCracken uh, was uh, a full-time independent film producer, so he was doing... Uh, documentary films, TVs, low budgets, things like that. Uh, so we were, you know, doing it on days off. We were orchestrating. We were doing quick trips. We would do two-day trips to Point Pleasant. We would set up. We would interview. We would shoot. We would shoot B-roll. Uh, we worked with um, a, a reenactment group that did um, uh, Revolutionary War reenactment battles uh, in Virginia and did an entire day shoot with them because part of the Mothman Mythology is tied to Lord Dunmore's War, which actually is considered now by the Daughters of the American Revolution to be the first battle for American independence uh, there in uh, what at the the time was uh, Camp Point Pleasant. So there's so much history that that came in. So there was history, there was economic impact, there was the the, the psychological and sociological impact on these people. And, And wanting to, you know, really get into how something like this goes with you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these people that had these experiences, these sightings with Mothman, their lives were plagued with depression and ruined marriages, alcoholism, drug abuse, just, you know, really, really bad things that, that followed them, uh, as happens many times when individuals experience something very, very traumatic. Sure. And so it was almost a, almost a type of PTSD involved mm-hmm. with yeah, these individuals. That. Yeah. So it was it was quite extraordinary to spend six years you know of my life uh, working on that film to see the film come to fruition, and then to you know in in the course of that six years and now you know almost a decade later to mm-hmm. still be doing right. interviews. Yeah. About Mothman, uh, I've been on coast to coast with George Norrie three times. Wow! I just uh, one of my one of my clients, uh, Bill Bean, uh, and you guys may have had <laughs> Bill on your show. Yeah, um, he's he, actually yeah. Uh, Timmy just uh, booked him again. He he was yeah. supposed to be here once and and uh, I guess got busy last minute, so he's returning. And that, and, that, and and as his publicist, because I do that for Bill, that happens a lot. Sure. Uh, oh yeah. No, we hmm. actually knew. I should let Timmy talk. It's his show, but yeah, we we kind of knew that going in. Yeah, and 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 Bill had just asked me to. Uh, he wrote a, a new book called Stranger Than Fiction, right. and I wrote the foreword for the book. Wow! And then he also had me contribute a chapter on Mothman, 
And so I've got, I think it's a, maybe a, a five-page uh, short, just kind of, it, it, it's really a, a compilation of, of a lot of the things that I said in the religious presentations there in, in Point Pleasant, as well as parts of the script for this, the second documentary that never actually got produced, which I now have been turning into a manuscript for my own book about Mothman. Oh, nice. But, uh, but Bill didn't ask me to do that. So actually, his book will be coming out in a few weeks. And so there is a chapter in there on the Mothman uh, dealing with a, a brief history and then you know my own personal opinions and theories as, as to what I think uh, those, those sightings were and uh, what they mean for the world today because the sightings have continued. Uh, right now, uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, is seems to be the hotbed of sightings. Uh, last year alone, 55 sightings of a winged entity no in kidding. urban areas. Wow. Yeah, Chicago. And continuing into this year. Interesting. Yeah, continuing into this year. Oh. So, uh, it, it's and I, I used to. I actually had uh, a map, and I was keeping track of all of the sightings. Um, I haven't in the past few years uh, since I've taken on this, as I said, this new responsibility of, of managing. Uh, radio stations and, and the cells for them here in, in eastern Kentucky. But um, still, you know, I, I'll get emails or I'll get a text message or somebody will call up and say, hey, did you hear that there's been a sighting here? Have you heard about this? And so I still, I'm still accumulating stories and sightings, and I, I think that there's definite uh, validity when people start seeing these. Oh, sure. That was the really cool thing in, in Point Pleasant. You know, Chicago, you know, major urban city. Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, population of about 5,000 people. Today it had about 5,000 people in 1966. It hasn't grown. Wow. Uh, That's kind of strange. About the same, about the same, right? Yeah, about the, about the same number of people. The Mothman Festival, the city actually will double, maybe triple its population. Between ten and 15,000 people wow. show up for the Mothman Festival. <laughs> And that was that was cool. I mean, you go, you, you yeah, are okay. this, this little this little river town in West Virginia, and you're meeting people from Hong Kong, and you're meeting people from <laughs> Australia, and you're meeting people from Ireland, and you're meeting people from all over the U.S. and wow. Russia. And just, wow! It was just amazing at how many people were coming to to this little tiny town uh, to hear these stories and 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 to. You know, listen to the eyewitnesses and and people like me who who were you know giving theories and giving lectures and things like that. It, it's really just it, it was a life changing, life altering series of years while working on that project. Yeah, and quite visceral for you even even now. Yeah, absolutely. Travis, have you have absolutely. you had have you had um, Bill Bean in your studio to talk about his childhood story? I have. Bill and I have been friends, and he's been my client for almost a decade now. I know Bill's story almost as well as Bill does, and he and I (laughs) joked about that. I actually, but around 2012, 2013, much like you were just saying, Tim, you know, know, Bill was scheduled for an interview, and then he would get called because if if folks don't know, Bill performs exorcisms. Mm -hmm. He is a deliverance minister, and he travels all over the country doing deliverances and performing exorcisms for, for people all over the United States. And as soon as I can get his passport and get him to the passport office, I'm going to be sending him internationally <laughs> as soon as I can get that done. Because nice. he does have a lot of requests from the U.K., uh, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uh, South America, uh, wanting deliverances. And, and Bill's one of the few men and one of the few ministers I know that actually will do uh, what 
I use the term remote deliverances. He will do them over okay. the telephone. He does them over Skype. Uh, wow. you know, Bill says he does not have to be physically there to perform mm-hmm. a deliverance. It's better. There's more. There's more spiritual power if mm-hmm. he can be, but he can do it uh, from from a distance over the phone and and over Skype and things like that. But. Bill would have to cancel interviews at the last minute, and I was going on on his behalf and telling his story. I'm saying, well, you know, this is what happened to Bill Bean. Here's the here's the story of the Bean family, and so, you know, yes, uh, Bill and I had, had talked back and forth over the years. Uh, I've I've shopped his his book uh, to be turned into uh, a feature film, and we and we're still doing that to this day. Wow, cool. But I I still I still tell Bill that his story is, is right for a documentary uh, and to do reenactments and to get him down, to get his brother, get his sister, and some of the other friends who experienced things in the Bean household, uh, to get them on camera and to, to put this story together so that people can, can see it. There have been, uh, you know, A Haunting has done his story. Uh, there have been a couple of other uh, of the vignettes that have taken the, the Bill Bean story and, and, you know, done some reenactments and embellishments and things like that. And, and Bill and I have, Bill and I have, you know, some, some unique perspectives on how we would like to see things done uh, in, in both a documentary and in a, a feature film. So, but his story is amazing. If you if you are not familiar with Bill Bean, uh, go to BillBean.net. It's uh, his website. Um, he has another one he just launched, and I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't tell you what. I think it's BillBeanMinistries.com. I believe mm-hmm. I'm yeah. wrong. Uh, right. BillBean.net will will take you. It's a kind of a portal sign that'll take you everywhere. Amazing story. Get his book Dark Force. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm his publicist. I'm saying get it and read it because it's an amazing story. I, I read it in one night when he sent it to me. Wow. When he was when he was kind of shopping me to be his publicist. He sent it to me. I sat down. I read it in one night, and I will say I heard things. I saw things. I mean, it was one, it's one of those you, you're reading it. You know, it's, it's right up there with the Amityville Horror. It's right up there with the Conjuring, uh, and and some of these other real life stories of homes that had paranormal activity and how it affected and traumatized the individual members of the family. It's, it's an amazing read. And so I, I highly recommend Bill, if you're listening, I'm, I'm shopping, man. I'm telling him, go visit Bill Bean's website, take a look at his story, get his book, uh, and definitely listen to the show when you guys have him on, because he is, Bill's got a great voice, Bill's got a great personality, Bill's just a natural storyteller, and you just, the minute Bill starts, you just don't stop listening. And after he's finished, you want to keep talking. (laughs) Yeah, and and the great thing is, you know, now, because Timmy booked him for a second time, we know you. (laughs) We can hold that over his head. Well, Timmy can't. You can hold that over his head. Yeah, right. (laughs) He'll tell stories about me. I could tell stories about him. (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's well-rounded you know it's yeah. like full circle. it is it's six degrees of separation so you know <laughs> that is so cool yeah i don't think he'll he'll not show up next week because he had just had uh recently had surgery on his back so he, oh he did <laughs> he, he did and he's actually he's doing a show tonight as a matter of fact he is wow. hour two of a show, um, the Dr. J show, which actually I believe is on this network. Oh, it's on this oh, network, right. yeah. 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 Well, it's on network. Be, yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. it's a Wednesday and not a Monday, you know, because he runs opposite <laughs> me on Monday. So I okay. just, you know, yeah, I said that, uh, you know. Yeah, he, he, he's on there tonight from 8 to 9 Eastern time on that show. So. Wow. Yeah, Dr. J is awesome. 
and kind of a daunting guy to have run against you, and you know. And, you know. <laughs> well, well, guess That's, what? We're on Studio B tonight, so he keeps after right, us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, in, we're in his house now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I think he follows. Us. Yeah, he does. He follows us. So there, there you go. go. Wow. Yeah, because I think his is his is seven to nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine. yeah. Uh, and I can't remember who's on the first hour, but Bill is is the second hour from eight to nine. Awesome. Awesome. So people can they, after this show they can just stay on Studio B and and, and listen to Bill Bean. Absolutely. And, and then next yeah. Wednesday you can listen to Bill Bean on Studio A, seven to nine. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So there's some competition there. The Bill Bean Radio Network. Yeah. There you right? go. Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, Timmy, maybe you can be a guest on Bill Bean show sometime. Yeah. There Definitely. you go. That's another full circle, don't, you know. See He's already trying to get me to co-host a show with him. Like, I've got time, and he's, he's back. Because he and I did a show together before. We did a one called The Round Table, and that was back oh. in 2011, 2012. And then uh, the past two years, I, I co-hosted a show on, uh, well, originally it was on Blog Talk, and then it was on Spreaker.com. It was uh, uh, Mystic Moon Cafe uh, with Wendy Schindler out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, we co-hosted a show together uh, for a couple oh. of years. And uh, then Bill's, I'm like, Bill, I don't have time. I, le- I, I, I basically live in a radio station. By the time I get in, I, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to be in a radio station again. <laughs> I want some downtime. <laughs> I go to the gym, and the, I, when I, the gym that I joined, the guy's like, what do you want to listen to while you work out? I said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. I listen to this all day long. All day. I want total silence. Yeah. I don't want, and don't talk to me. I just want to get on the treadmill. I want to do the weights. I want to leave. Wow! See, welcome to my life. I mean, I'm, it's like reliving my my present and my past here. <laughs> you know, and and I got to I you know I said it both, yeah, off air, but I will say it out loud on air. Uh, Travis Short, I love your voice, man. <laughs> I absolutely well, love you. your voice. You know? I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I mean, I it's, it's, a, it's an awesome radio voice. I mean, mm, we just is. you know. I mean, we have a lot of people podcasting here that are real people, but they're not radio voice people, you know? It's it, kind it, of... It, it's really funny because um, my voice changed when I was 12 years old. Um, oh. And I, I, I didn't do the whole awkward, cracky, screechy... It, it was just one one day I had a, you know, a 12-year-old's voice, and then I woke up the next morning and I had this voice. Wow, and my voice yeah, has been like this since I was twelve. I got offered my first radio job when I was fourteen. Wow! Um, well, r- rub it in a little, you know. I, <laughs> so I went I through the started, whole awkward thing, man. Yeah, no, he, you know, he did. I, I, I met the owner of the radio station, and you know, I found out roundabout. You know, he was trying to find out how old I was. Had to be sixteen to legally, you know, hold down a, a, a legitimate part-time job at the time. Right. So when I turned sixteen, uh, I got my first radio job. I was afternoon DJ, drive shift, uh, three to wow. sign off on an AM station. Wow. That was in September. This is actually my twenty-sixth year in broadcasting. Uh, that was nineteen ninety-two. Wow. And then January of ninety-three, every DJ there except. The sales manager who hosted the 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. slot quit. Everybody quit. Wow. Wow. So I got to choose what shift I wanted. So I got midday, 9 to 3. Great shift. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I was 16 years old. I had just finished. I, my, my parents had me in a private Christian school. I had already finished my senior year of high school. 
at that point. So I walked and got my diploma in May of 93. But as of January, I didn't have to go to class anymore. So I started working 9 to 3, middays, Monday Mm. through Friday, every other Saturday if I wanted it. Wow. And it was great. And I did that. I've worked for a couple of different radio stations, got into television, video production when I was in college, mm-hmm. yeah. um, worked, you know, did sales for, for TV. Um, <laughs> Jeez, welcome to my life. I partner man. of an ad agency for, for, for five years, the director wow. of for a hospital, was ordained in, uh, in the Southern Baptist uh, denomination, actually served as a, as a pastor and as a minister for wow. about four years. Uh, so you know, it's, it's been an interesting ride. Um, a lot, yeah. a lot has gone on. Um, you know, and I told you, you know, I've, I've used the voice well for 26 years, and that's been in radio, that's been in television, that's been in voice work, that's been in the pulpit, that's oh. been doing lectures, doing speaking engagements, things like that. So thank you for the compliment. I, I appreciate that. No, I mean, I it's, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Thanks, <laughs> well, I, I can listen to this. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Tim. Travis, do you know, uh, by chance, do you know Jay Klein? I say the name again, Tim. I um, broke Mike, up with that boy. Jay Klein, Michael J. Klein. He used to work at DVE, and now he's got a. Uh, he works WBUT and um, another radio station here in Baller, PA. No, I don't. But I'd love to. I'd love to get to know him. Okay. You have to connect us up. I would love to get to know. Him. I. I really. The past three years, getting back into broadcasting, I've really been trying to expand that that network. I kind of mm-hmm. it, it. It kind of fell by the wayside for several years, and um, I started building back up those connections. And oh, actually, I've got a, a good friend in Manchester, Kentucky. He'll call me up every now and then. He's like, "Will you cut some radio spots for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, as long as I don't have to listen to them," because <laughs> I hate hearing my voice. When I when I took this job here in, in, in Eastern <laughs> Kentucky in Prestonsburg. I, I got hired in the end of November, so it was the holiday season, and people were doing last-minute buys for the holidays, and they were sending their commercials to be recorded immediately. We didn't have time to outsource them, so I was doing them, and it was just like every commercial on the radio station was my voice. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and, and the, the office manager came in one day, and I was just sitting there, and I just had this look on my face, and she's like, what's wrong? I said, it's bad enough. I hear my voice in my head all the time. <laughs> now I have to sit here in my office and hear it. <laughs> Did you have to ever do news also? I have done news. Uh, we actually, the, the AM station, we took entirely to a talk format. I host a local show on there. Typically, it's every week, but now that we're in a political window, I've been interviewing political candidates every day wow. for an hour uh, and oh. getting, getting, to know the, getting to know the candidates. Yeah. Now, do you do, so, you do can I, I got to ask you this because I, I had to do that too, you know, that, but you had to get the ones that were newsworthy that week, you know, mm-hmm. and the news director. He wanted this um, this hard sell type of uh, thing where you really come at him, and uh, you know. So I used to what I used to do is is regardless of who it was, I used to um, tell them the questions ahead of time so they could act surprised <laughs> because I just wasn't a yep. hardball type of guy. So I have to ask: Is if you ever did that too, or did you hardball them? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, for in in this particular situation. Uh, what I did was most of these individuals were running for re-election. There are a few mm-hmm. that are running against the incumbents the first time out. Mm-hmm. So I came up with about 12 
questions that everybody was getting asked. So I oh. told them, I said, you know, these are these are the twelve questions I'm asking everyone. Oh, mm-hmm. so you did that? Uh, See, we are like brothers I, from another mother. Almost. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but what I did tell them, and and I'm sure that you probably were the same way. And you know, <laughs> the mark I think of a really good interviewer. Mm-hmm. is not in the scripted questions that they ask. Right. But it's in hearing that answer that somebody gives and being able to build on the answer. Oh, yeah, say, okay, yeah. You said yeah. this, let me ask you this. Or, you know, what you said <laughs> made me think, made my mind go here. I want to hear what you have to say about it. And being mm-hmm. able to pick up on those and actually make it a conversation, not a question. Right, right yeah, right. Because, because especially if they, it's like two people uh, talking in a coffee shop or a bar. You know about exactly. a specific yeah. thing, and and if you, yeah, if if you get them comfortable, you can extract better information from them. Yeah, that's what we do here, that don't we? Actually, that's right, yeah. man. Yeah, and that's what I love, and that and exactly <laughs> what said, Chip, is what I would say about the radio show that I co-hosted with Wendy Schindler. I would tell <laughs> every guest who was coming on, I said, I want you to just imagine that the three of us are sitting at a bar or a pub, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're talking. <laughs> This, yeah. That's what I want you to do, yeah. and we even we started incorporating uh, the Mystic Moon Mixer uh, in the show, where that we would actually we would feature a drink during the show. <laughs> oh, when no we would kidding! Talk to a wow. Yeah. <laughs> We're just he's he's but, drinking monsters, and I'm trying Red Bull, but I got coffee today. You know. <laughs> well, I would typically I was drinking wine, uh, and then my okay. host is like, "Okay," she's like, "We really need to rein in." <laughs> what you drink, the, the amount you're drinking during the interview. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, probably so. It's, but at, oh. at the end of the day, because we were doing hours 9 to 11. Oh, my goodness. Eastern time. So after doing you know, an entire day's worth of work, I was coming in, getting ready, getting online, <laughs> going live. Right. That show is your nightcap, basically. <laughs> exactly. And, and sometimes we went, there, if the guest was interesting enough, because uh, we had, I, I was, buying the, the time each month, we could go as long as we wanted to. Mm-hmm. So there were times we went three hours. Sometimes we went mm-hmm. close to four wow. uh, doing interviews with individuals. And it was like, wow, that was a... And then, you know, having to get up at five and drive two hours back to, <laughs> back to Kentucky. Yeah, I've been... Like, I'm not doing that anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, I think the, uh, when I was doing radio, they wanted uh, public access cable. So we went video and... You know, I had to oh, yeah. do the, and I had to produce the video, you know, and, and do the editing and all that stuff, and and you know, form the interviews and and uh, basically betrayed the news director and wanted all these hard copy things, you know, that he never yeah. knew though. He, you know, because they were all good actors, of course, if they're running for mm-hmm. office. You oh, know, I actually I got uh, hugged by uh, a mayoral candidate who won. It was the first woman in this town that we did radio, on. and the first thing she did is she came up and hugged me. That's it. That's how you know you're doing well, you know. Uh, yep, that is true, um, and, and and it's the same thing here. I mean, uh-huh. um, you, you know, we, of course, FCC guidelines. You know, that whole fair amount of time and all yeah. of that, and and to and to get around that with with the talk show is really easy <laughs> because you put out there we're we're inviting every candidate to book a slot, <laughs> and I you know it's incumbent upon them to book, um, and we you know. We put that out there the Tuesday after Labor Day, and people didn't start booking until last week. I'm like, you all, right? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all. Of it. 
that's a lot of wine right there. That, yeah, it's like, okay, so let's, let's do this. Let's get these interviews taken care of and let's talk. But you'd be surprised at how many people balked at coming on because they thought we were going to do. I'm like, I don't want to do your hardball questions. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is not an investigative journalism show. This is about getting to know the candidates. I'm trying to encourage people to get out there and vote. Right. Right. I'm trying to get. I'm just trying to motivate people to become civic-minded again because mm -hmm. it's right. frightening to me how much we don't understand about local government and how it works and what the mayor does and what a city council does and right. what their school boards do. People, yeah. we, we just don't know anymore. Yeah. And so I really want to, to you know, motivate people to 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 learn about that. Um, right. And how we got here from Mothman, I have no clue. But <laughs> know, you know, right? it, we digress. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, we do. <laughs> That was nothing scripted in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things. <laughs> right? right. Tim, that's the magic of the supernatural realm. It is the magic of the supernatural realm. This brotherhood that, that we have, you know, Timmy and I, it's a beautiful thing, you know. He's, you know, I've done four radio shows in the same time he's stayed on with this program, you know. And he's a beautiful man. He's very even keeled, and he's magnificent to work with. And he puts up with me when I don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we all need someone like that. Yeah, right. In our right. lives. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm trying not to be that guy, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, see, and, and now here is where you know that we're broadcast professionals. I'm going to bring it back to Mothman from this whole digression. That's beautiful. See? Oh, I can't wait and for this segue. Yep. Because... I did serve as the interviewer and the host and the narrator. So once again, I was doing all the talking <laughs> on camera, voiceover work, all of that was me. So, so it's got to be hard to watch the, the films then. Oh my God, it is. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> and it was really hard. To, it was really hard to watch it on the big screen in the theater. I'm like, I can imagine. Oh my God, is my head that big? <laughs> and then over and over, like, you know, not twice, not three times a day. Come on. I know. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, what, and what's so funny is the, uh, and I think I sent you guys the link. If you look at the link on, on, YouTube, on YouTube, the opening sequence is me at the amphitheater, which they built an amphitheater for uh, the memorial of the individuals who lost their lives when the bridge collapsed. This is a beautiful amphitheater where the bridge once stood. Wow. And that, that's where we did the opening and closing sequence of, of the film. So the opening sequence is me walking you know, up from the amphitheater with the camera on me, and I'm just talking. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, you know, we were doing this very low budget. We didn't have you know, a teleprompter. We didn't even have cue cards. So I had to memorize the opening monologue. Oh, man. Oh. No so pressure I'm there. there. <laughs> no, I'm walking. At, so let me tell you, the outtakes are hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm walking, I'm talking, and it wasn't until we edited and we were watching it before we, we premiered it. I don't blink. Not one single time do my oh, wow. eyes blink in this opening monologue. Wow. That's Charlie McCracken, the guy who was editing, and he's like, "It's actually kind of scary." He said, "You look." He said, "You don't look human." He said, "It looks. You look like an angel." He said, "Your eyes. He said, you don't blink. Your eyes don't dart. Dead on." Wow. And that's it. He said, "It's it's just it's kind of freaky." Yeah. Even yeah. more reason for you not to watch. You know. <laughs> I know exactly. 
<laughs> but you know, it's one of those things. I said, you know, psychologically, you know, we're we're taught that if somebody's blinking a lot, they're lying. Mm-hmm. You, you, we don't we don't trust and we don't believe people who blink a lot. So I was really trying to go for minimal blink. I just wasn't trying to go for non-blinking. I was just you know I wasn't really trying to have this you know really really scary look on my face where the eyes <laughs> ever blink and and look you know, almost soulless quite frankly. But <laughs> it worked. It worked. Oh, the nice to have that in your head too. You know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like you know, it works for for the ambiance. Jeez, that's why I don't do video. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I got it the should. face for radio myself, you know. It's kind of like Timmy, a soulless mutant. <laughs> yeah, they take one look at me and say, "Hey, we'd love to have you in our movie. You want to play a soulless mutant?" You know? <laughs> that actually happened. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was a very good soulless mutant. Hey, I I wanted to ask you something. Uh, when you first started talking about the film, uh, because. You know, Timmy was kind enough to, to have you explain this to me. And there's a couple of things that I I kind of got stuck in my head that I wanted to ask you about uh, regarding uh, the Mothman itself. Uh, especially in this day and age now. I mean, now you see things about UFOs and extraterrestrials that are much different than we had in the 60s or in 2003 or in 2009. You know, it's gotten a lot deeper, especially some of the YouTube things or some of the things they have on tv you know it kind of gets in your head mm-hmm. so uh you know and and it it makes sense personally after all the videos that i've watched that this would be like an extraterrestrial encounter i like the theory about the pet that got away <laughs> but it you know but it almost describes to a t some of these you know um, uh, that have been described in visitations and you mentioned that you know, you've got people watching this film when you debuted it from from uh, Ireland, from the UK, from yes. Russia, and uh, it it seems to me that they're more keen on the extraterrestrial thing, you know, in their countries than we are here. So I was wondering if you talked to any of these people, if they asked you specifically if the you know if it was an extraterrestrial, if they asked you specifically about that, because that seems to make the most sense almost. Uh, so I guess that's my question. Yeah, they, they did, and I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, we we as a, a culture in this country, we have downplayed and minimalized the supernatural in general. Uh, we, we, we've, minim, we've minimalized it and, and marginalized it uh, from a religious standpoint, from a social standpoint, uh, whereas a lot of countries outside of the U.S. still embrace the spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still embrace... Uh, the unexplained and the unknown, and they're not as skeptical as we are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this country, we we've. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, or, nor judgmental. No, exactly. Nor judgmental for if somebody says they have seen something. Uh, you know, it's. Oh, they're coming for me. Thing, they're coming, man. Mm-hmm. The good thing is, this is a mobile show. You know, we can just. I can. <laughs> we can just walk around and. Well, and move. At least if they find me, Timmy can get a word in edgewise. <laughs> But they did, you know, they, they wanted to know, um, did I think it was an extraterrestrial? You know, I, I mentioned earlier the, the various theories about Mothman. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some that tie back to the Native American mythology of the, right. thunder, of the Thunderbird. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that tie into uh, the death of Chief Cornstalk, who was uh, the leader of the Mingo tribe there in Point Pleasant. He was killed wow. during the Battle of Point Pleasant. There's oh. two different stories, actually. Historically, there are two different stories. Okay. Uh, one of those stories is that um, he was killed during battle, waging uh, mm-hmm. war against the settlers uh, at the outpost camp, Point Pleasant. Um, uh, and that he died in that battle, and that with his dying breath, he he uttered a curse of a tragedy and darkness that would you know haunt the land for centuries to come. Goodness. The other story is that he actually he and his son were being uh, held at the camp, oh. and that they were um, murdered uh, in cold blood uh, by the settlers there because of some settlers who had also been killed. Uh, by oh. another tribe of, of, of Native Americans. And with his dying breath, he uttered a curse. So either way, wh- whichever version of that story is true, <laughs> uh, what did come out of it was a curse right. that, that Cornstalk supposedly placed on the entire region. And we actually deal with that in the documentary. We do a timeline from, from Cornstalk's death all the way through uh, the, the present day, as a matter of fact. The, the number of, uh, of tragedies that actually took place uh, in Point Pleasant and, and in that area that um, that surrounds Point Pleasant. It actually, uh, very interesting, was, was an area that the Native American population would settle. They would hunt there, but they wouldn't live there. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Uh, and so we, we did this timeline in the documentary uh, that outlines everything from, from Cornstalk's death you know, through the collapse of the bridge uh, and uh, other other tragedies that uh, have basically echoed throughout the region uh, that just absolutely uh, are staggering. For example, you, you take the death of, of Cornstalk, that happened in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. We jump forward just a couple hundred years, 1907, coal mine disaster kills 310 miners. 1944, wow. 150, 150 people killed when a tornado ripped through the area. Wow. 1967, the collapse of the Silver Bridge. 1968, 35 people killed when a Piedmont Airlines plane crashes near Kanawha Airport. Oh my goodness. You know, ni- 1970. Uh, November 14th, 75 people killed when Southern Airways DC-10 crashed into a mountain in Huntington, West Virginia. Mm. Uh, 1976, uh, the town of Point Pleasant rocked in the middle of the night by an explosion at the Mason County Jail. Now oh in the jail was a woman named Harriet Sisk who had been arrested for the murder of her infant daughter. Her husband came to the jail with a suitcase full of mm. explosives oh, to kill himself and his wife. Uh, he sat the suitcase down. He had smuggled in a shotgun. He shot it, blew it up, killed himself her, and three law enforcement officers. Wow, man. Now, here's an interesting thing for you. The site of the Mason County Jail was the original burial site for Chief Cornstalk. Oh, my God. Wow. Those remains were exhumed and later moved to what is now Tuendui Park. Oh, jeez. 1979, Hmm. a freight train derails in Point Pleasant, dumps thousands of gallons of toxic chemicals contaminating the water supply. Oh, my God. 1978, tragedy struck the town of St. Pa- Mary's, north of Point Pleasant, when 51 men who were working on the Willow Island power plant were killed when their construction sta- scaffolding collapsed. Oh, my God. Now, now, here's one that is going to make you kind of sit up. One of the more startling things that we discovered was when we were doing research, we found FAA flight plans that show Flight 77, 
which was one of the airplanes used in the 9-11 attacks, Ooh. was oh, hijacked weird. directly over the city of Point Pleasant. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. It was then turned and flown directly into the Pentagon. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. So, wow. Yep. So, so you think there's maybe a Native American connection there, too, as far as what's going many, on? Many, many people do. They think that there mm -hmm. is this, you know, that, that Cornstalk issued this curse uh, to, for pain and suffering uh, because of the, the injustice that was done to the Native American population there by the settlers mm -hmm. uh, in the early 1700s. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, it's like there's no one answer to right. the Mothman story. There's a bunch of answers. There's all of these things that come into play. You have to look at the, the, the Native American side, you know, the, the idea of the Thunderbird. Right. Uh, one of the things that I found very interesting and in, in doing the research was, you know, Mothman was considered uh, to be extremely tall, seven to nine feet tall. Cornstalk uh, had a sister, uh, and I forgot the sister's name. I'm trying to find it in my notes. Um, I forgot the sister, but she was over seven feet tall. Really? Yes. Wow. Very unusual, not only for women but for Native American women to be over seven feet tall. But her name loosely translated to "not a man." Wow. Oh. <laughs> now, you know, th there's a couple different ways you can look at that. And, you know, okay, they're saying she's not a, a male, that she's not a masculine. Or they're saying she's not man she's not mankind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's not of the of same mankind. Wow. Because race, somehow, wow. Wow. My theory, uh, and I worked with Dr. L.A. Marzulli, uh, who is uh, an expert on uh, UFOs and the Nephilim. Okay. Oh, okay. My theory, Nephilim. Is, my theory is this. My theory is that Mothman is a, a, a manifestation of some type of demonic entity. Mm. And bringing Marzulli in, we looked at the concept of the Nephilim. And Nephilim are a crossbreed between fallen angels mm -hmm. and mankind. Right. Oh, okay. There were very interesting physical characteristics mm -hmm. for the actual Nephilim. One, their height. Uh, they were a minimum of nine feet tall. Many right. of them, according to ancient legends, go as, sure. as tall as 12 feet. They got, uh, um, you know, Hercules and... and uh, Hercules, exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and the then you also have um, the, um, of course, the wings coming into play. That's a very mm -hmm. Judeo-Christian... Um, imagery for for demons and angels but it also spans cultures it and does the, the lectures that i did you know it, it's not just uh christianity and judaism that deal with no, angels and that have wings you know sumerians you know sumerian no. uh, the the sphinx of egypt you've got right. mesoamerica you know yep. Guadal, the, the winged serpent the bringer right. of knowledge yeah. uh, babylonians the, babylonians uh, Aztec, I mean, it's all there. There's these embedded images in our minds, both good and bad, and they, and they have wings. The other interesting thing, and this is one of those pieces of information that came tangentially, and it didn't come when the camera was rolling, uh, and so people said, well, he's making it up. Well, people can say what they want, but it did happen. Mm -hmm. I was talking to uh, one of the original eyewitnesses was a gentleman by the name of, well, depending on the, the accounts, Newell or Merle Partridge. There mm -hmm. were two different names that were given in, in the eyewitness accounts. Talking to his daughter, and, and he was actually one of the first individuals to see this, this entity before the Scarberry 
uh, in the wow. lip, uh, okay. teenage sighting. Uh, this one had took place a couple of nights before on his farm. And I talked to his daughter, who she and I were, were just conversing one mm. day uh, at the Mothman Festival. And one of the, oh. the, the things about the Nephilim, one of their physical characteristics is six digits, six fingers, six toes. Right, right, yeah. She was telling me about the night that her dad saw this, this creature, uh, his German shepherd bandit. Uh, went chasing it uh, and was never seen again. Oh. And the next morning, though, uh, Miss Partridge was talking about going out in the field with her father, and there were footprints in the oh. field. Oh. And the footprints, she said, the only thing that she could tell you about the footprints were two things. They were extremely large, okay. and they had six toes. Six digits. Wow. 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 So it's... <laughs> You know, there's all of these interesting little cross-sections, uh, crossroads of different stories. Men in black were seen all over the town of Point Pleasant before the, the Mothman sighting and shortly thereafter. No kidding. Um, no. Uh, you had, uh, in uh, in another town in West Virginia, you had the sightings of this entity, Indrid Cold, who was supposed to have been a... Uh, an extraterrestrial uh, from the planet Lanulos uh, and the Ganymedes uh, galaxy, and he was, you know, meeting with individuals there and giving them you know, all these prophecies and these, you know, uh, gloom and doom uh, type messages. Oh, scenarios. All this taking place at the same time. Yeah, all these, all these things were taking place at the same time in the wow. 60s in West Virginia. Nothing was going on in West Virginia in the 60s, except this, apparently. All, all this stuff was going on. You had the Flatwoods Monster in West Virginia. That was about a decade before in the early 1950s. Then you have Mothman. Then you've got Indrid Cole. All of these things happened. What's going on? Jeez, yeah, we had yeah. Woodstock, you know? I mean, I, I don't know if, that, if it's any consolation, my name translates into not a man also. But, you know, that's for another day. <laughs> is what it is. It, it, so. it, it is what it is, you know? <laughs> Um, it's, it, but it, it, it's been a fascinating journey. It's been fascinating to, to hear these stories and to meet these people and, and to, to hear the theories um, as, as to what was going on. You know, I, one of the other things, and I, I, um, I guess it was probably the second or the third Mothman Festival, I posited a theory because, as I mentioned in, in, early in the show, there were over 100 eyewitnesses of this, this entity, and that spanned 15 months, uh, I'm sorry, 13 months, and it spanned uh, numerous counties, and many times the descriptions were a little off. Hmm. Uh, the height was, was a little off. You know, some, sometimes it was seven feet tall, sometimes nine feet tall. Uh, sometimes the, the, the entity looked gray, sometimes it looked uh, like more Eyewitness pale. accounts, um, yeah, that's like, yeah. They vary. Uh, and you know we we see things through our own uh, our own worldview. Right. Um, sometimes it looked like the creature had on clothes. Sometimes it appeared like it was it didn't have on clothes, but it, that it wasn't. You know, you couldn't really identify any type of gender or anatomy or anything. Okay. And a lot of times these eyewitness sightings were taking place at the same time in different locations. Really? Right. Oh, really? At the same Denver Wow. So <laughs> I posited the theory that there that there was not a moth man but that there were mothmen, that there were multiple entities that were wow. manifesting themselves wow. and appearing in the town of Point Pleasant. Wow. 
My goodness. And that that take, that takes into account the, the variations and the eyewitnesses. It takes into account the multiple locations or, you know, one person seeing it, you know, 15 miles away and just a few minutes later someone seeing it, you know, in a, in a different location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it starts to make sense mm-hmm. when, you, when you start looking at, well, it's not, it's not a cryptid. It's not some animal that we can't classify. Right. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that I say that is, is this. You know, even with, and you guys know this from, from talking to, to individuals in the paranormal and supernatural realm, right. even with some of the most uh, mundane paranormal and supernatural occurrences, whether it's a UFO or it's a possible ghost or it's an orb or it's Bigfoot or it's a lotanous monster, there's always a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. all the time. In, in the 1960s, that, that's not the case. There, right. there was never a photograph. There was never uh, any video footage. There was none of that in the 1960s. What you do have, though, is, is a very strong oral tradition, people telling stories about mm-hmm. what they saw, police reports, people were following. And these were, yes, you know, you had, uh, you know, Partridge, who was a farmer. You had the, 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 you had and you've got these, you know, these recorded police reports of law-abiding, upstanding citizens, grounded, you know, sincere people claiming that they've seen this thing. You have to sit up and go, okay, something's going on here. Wow. Well, and it, it begs the question because we don't get that many, you know, ordained ministers that have uh, interest in paranormal, supernatural, you know, UFOs, hauntings, and the occult, and, and have... You know, I mean, and this is so visceral for you because you've you've seen the people, you know the people, you've talked to the people, you've seen how the community has reacted, I mean, firsthand, and done this timeline that dates back really to the 1700s on, and and it's consistent. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Nephilim and all this, and it really begs the question because you were there, you know. When, when you had this festival, you had this festival there, you know, and being there... And being both an ordained minister with all of this uh, interest and, and uh, really uh, knowledge, you know, of all these paranormal, supernatural, and extraterrestrial things, did you feel the energy when you were there? I mean, did, you know, did, was, was, it, was it as um, constant, you know, as it may sound like it was, especially for someone so susceptible to energy as, as you? It, it's interesting that you, that you asked that question. Um, I it's never been asked quite like that. People say, when did you experience anything? Did you see anything? We never saw anything. We never saw nothing else. Um, we did see some very interesting things while we were there. We experienced some very interesting things. Um, one of the other things about the city of Point Pleasant, it is, it is at a converging point of two massive bodies of water, the Ohio oh. River and the Kanawha River. Oh. And, I mean, it literally, Tuendui Park sits at the point where these two bodies of water actually meet. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, uh, it, it's one of those areas that, that is well beyond me, but I know a lot of individuals in the, in the, in the supernatural, the paranormal, they deal with ley lines, they deal with nature energy, they deal with sure. the converging of, of bodies of water that you know, weird things always seem to right. take place there. 
Yeah, especially if it goes back to the the natives who uh, you know exactly. had the spiritual thing with water. So. so the what I will say is this: I, as you mentioned in the intro, I've always had an interest in the in the supernatural and the paranormal and the occult. Uh, it goes back to you know late nights on Friday nights with my dad when he would come in from working in the coal mines and we would watch Cold Jack the Night Stalker on CBS <laughs> late nights. Right, and I, be done. <laughs> I, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, and he and I would watch you know you know late run horror films. I you know one of the first I ever saw was The Omen uh, on CBS late night. Uh, wow. and then, you know Cold Jack the Night Stalker and some of these other shows. And I, I had a huge interest in you know UFOs and, and especially the paranormal and ghosts and things like that, but had never really experienced anything uh, until being in in the city of Point Pleasant. Wow! And um, there there's just a weird energy, mm-hmm. and you can feel it. You, you you feel it when you step out. There's there's a charge that's in the air. Wow. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie McCracken, who had been a, a, a good friend of mine for many years and a business partner uh, for almost as long, uh, was had an just amazing ability of direction. We, you could put this man anywhere, and he could find his way out. We'd go to the city of Point Pleasant, and he couldn't find his way around downtown. Wow. He would get lost. He would lose his sense of north, south, east, west. He would just, he would be totally, totally screwed up. Um... We were one of the very first occurrences that I experienced, and it was all three of us. Uh, it was dead of summer. It was probably July or August uh, after our first trip. Our first trip was in March 2003, and we started going back up uh, about once a month. But this was dead summer. Dead summer on the Ohio River is like a sauna. It is humid. It is hot. Uh, it's like a swamp. It's not fun. So we're driving in the TNT area, and uh, you can you can drive through uh, still to this day. And in fact, we we've, we've explored some of the igloos that scatter the land. Um, but we were driving. We were in. It was, I remember very well. My my cousin Matthew was the one driving. He was driving a, an S10 Blazer. Uh, he was in, he was driving. Charlie was in the front seat. And I was in the back seat. And we come to a stop sign. Uh, in the TNT area, uh, the the road is as flat and as straight as a runway. This is where the kids would drag race in in the sixties ah, and wow. and seventies. Yeah. Um, and you you just come to this stop sign and you can go right, you can go left, and, and it, it, this road dissects the entire TNT area. It's about eight hundred oh. acres of, of wildlife. Oh. And we're at the stop sign. The windows are rolled up. Air conditioner going. Radio's on. We're all three talking. And all of a sudden, sitting there, we hear this loud roar, growl, yell, howl. It was a combination of like a lion and a wolf and a hyena. I mean, it was just this really very visceral animal sound. And we didn't just hear it. Hmm. We felt it. It, re- I mean, it literally. Like I said, the, the windows were rolled up, the air conditioner was on, <laughs> the radio was playing, and we heard it and we felt it. it. It shook the windows in this vehicle. Oh my God! It, it made them vibrate. Gee, not too unsettling. That's no, 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 no. We, we 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 sat there 
we kind of looked at each other. <laughs> you know, did did we did that just happen? Yes, it did. So we immediately did a U-turn. We drove back to Point Pleasant. We hit the liquor store. We bought a bottle of scotch. We went to our hotel room. <laughs> back down. We drank and we tried to make sense of what had happened. And this is God's honest. That's exactly what we did. We drove back. We got a bottle of famous grouse scotch. We went. We sat down. Styrofoam cups, drinking, trying to figure out what we had just heard. That was the first. Wow. Later while we were investigating and shooting uh, in the same the same area, uh, different side of the TNT, uh, we came upon the carcass of a deer. Now, that's not unusual. This is West Virginia people hunt. This was in the right. fall, so it was, you know, it was deer season. Mm -hmm. uh, could have been. It was a little early for deer season, but, you know, give or take. <laughs> yeah. well, hunting regulations are loose. You know, we, people right. do what they do. Uh, but here was the carcass. It was the bones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that was just, that was a little unnerving. You know, we're joking about it. You know, we're walking around. We're looking. We're, and this is on one side of the road. It's a two-lane road. It's on one side of the road. And we're out. We're just you know we're stretching our legs. We're getting some fresh air. And um, I think it was Matthew uh, had walked across the road. He's like, "You guys need to come here." It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And what was on the other side of the road was the skin. Oh, my uh, God. That's weird. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I know a lot of hunters. Yeah, they're not that hungry. Don't, <laughs> no. And, <laughs> you, and you don't kill an animal, skin it. You don't kill, kill an animal, skin it, leave the carcass and the skin on the other side of the road. That mm. doesn't happen. Yeah, they're, no, that doesn't. No, no. Very weird, very strange. Wow. There was another facility that used to stand between the city of Point Pleasant and the TNT area. The TNT area is about 10 miles north uh, of, of the town of Point Pleasant. And in between there, there was a building. Uh, we had seen it many times driving to the TNT area. It was just this big, almost a perfect square, uh, about four stories, brick building, covered in kudzu and ivy, windows broken out, just really creepy looking. <laughs> And one day, again, this was dead of summer, July, August, we decided we wanted to see what this place was because it was just out in this field, just standing there, nothing around it. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, got off on this little dirt road and drove out to it and got there and we started looking around and we walked around to the front of it and engraved on the front of it was the Lake and State Mental Hospital for the Criminally Insane Colored Boy. Wow. Oh. <laughs> That was what was on the front of this building. So we, being the intrepid sleuths and investigators, <laughs> we decided to go in. You went in. Uh, we went yeah. in. And it was just the three of us and just a little handheld home midget recorder, you know, just the handheld device, <laughs> digital recorder. And we walk in this long hallway, this long corridor, and Matthew's in the lead. I'm in the middle, and Charlie is bringing up the rear with the camera, so he's filming. Wow. So he's filming us go in. And, you know. So we're walking, we walk down the hallway, and we step into this little this little alcove area that actually, it was the hallway, and then this, and then you could go to the left, and there were stairs that would take you up to the other floors, or you could keep going straight, and it, would, it took you into what we found out was the dining hall. 
Well, when we hit this, this little alcove area, the temperature dropped like 30 degrees. Wow. I mm. mean, it was, it was noticeable. Hallway, sweltering heat, humid, boom, 30-degree drop right. in temperature. You know, goosebumps, hair standing up. Wow. We stepped out into the dining hall, temperature back normal. Oh. Now, mm. the interesting thing is all the way up, all three floors above that, same thing. That particular location was cold all the way up. Wow. Was we it were, also a dining hall or just that general area? Of the just building? that one area. Oh, that okay. one area. That's, that's typical. We walked into the dining yeah. it, it is. And that was, you know, again, you know, we'd, we'd heard, we had, you know, we both, you know, all of us had, had read stories and it was like, hey, cold spots, cold spots. No, this was an honest-to-God, legitimate cold spot. It was mm. right there. <laughs> it was maybe, you know, five by five in its in its size and but it, it each floor that you would go up when you hit that spot in the building it was still cold wow we wow. matthew and i walked into the dining hall and you know it's it's a mess this thing i had been sitting we, we later found i had been sitting empty for decades mm -hmm. graffiti all over the, the walls <laughs> <and> <laughs> tables tables turned upside down you know mattresses here and there yeah, you know, yeah. bottles of liquor and cigarette mm -hmm. butts you know all of that wow we hear something, and I still, again, it's, it's one of the, it, it was this guttural moan of pain and anguish, and he and I just look at each other, and it's like, did you, you know, did you hear what I heard? Yeah, I heard what you heard. So, okay. Well, we turn around to, to ask Charlie here, and he's not there. Oh, my God. So wow. we, we, we backtrack, and he's actually off in another section of the building, and he's got the video camera, and he's recording, and we're asking him if he heard anything, and he's like, no. And I thought, well, let's play back the video. Let's see, oh. You were running video. Let's see if there's anything. As soon as Matthew and I, on the video, before Charlie went right, as soon as Matthew and I step into the dining room, the camera screws up. It's nothing but garbage. Oh, it's just wow. garbage screen, garbage audio. Just It's all corrupted. Wow. Later in the editing process, because we actually had thought about doing a mini documentary on this facility, because this history yeah, is was fascinating. <laughs> if you're going to be there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we had started, you know, accumulating research and, and footage and photographs and all of this. Well, when he was playing it back, he was actually able to isolate sounds, and he could hear children, and he could, and oh I'm God. sitting there listening to it as he's, as he's playing it for me, and you can hear adults talking, and you could hear children, and sometimes they were playing, sometimes they were crying, sometimes they were screaming. It was very disconcerting. Yeah. Um, we, we discovered that this had been many things. It had started out. As, uh, as a home for the criminally insane colored boy. Uh, it had been turned into an orphanage. Uh, oh. it had been, uh, there had been a, a doctor who was performing unsanctioned ice pick lobotomies on the children oh, who were there. Uh. They were all buried in unmarked graves across oh. the property. Yes. Uh, and it just had this, this horrible, tragic story. And what we found out as we started researching, it was actually like number one, actually number two, next to Moundsville, prison, it was the number two most haunted site in the state of West Virginia. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Just happened to be there. Wow. And, yeah, that's something, we, you know, Timmy and I wouldn't even go there on purpose, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it was the most active, you know, you, you see movies and you watch these horror films where doors open and close by themselves. That mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, it was just yeah. the three of us in this building, and the, the doors were just open and closed by themselves. 
we would be on the first floor and we would hear people running on the second floor. Oh, we would be in there and you could walk in that building with a fully charged cell phone. Five minutes in there, your phone would be dead. <laughs> we would we would go in with you know walkie-talkies and walkie-talkies. They would start squawking by themselves. They would wow. start channel surfing. We'd pick up other frequencies. Oh it was just this bizarre magnet for all this supernatural negative energy. Now that we were there several times between 2003 and 2009. 2009, we went back and we were going to go again. Place isn't there anymore. Place had been totally raised. And when I say raised, I mean there was not even a footprint that this building had ever oh stood there. Wow. Wow. Boy, you got to admire build, that kind they, of work, though. <laughs> they, it was pristine. There was no dead grass. There was oh no God. footprint. There was wow. nothing. This was just a big empty field. Honestly, had us questioning whether or not we'd ever been in the building. Had we not <laughs> taken other people with us, had we not done the research, had we not seen these websites devoted to the activity there, I mean, this thing had, like I said, the, the slamming doors, the cold spots, the sounds, shadow people. I mean, everything that you could think of from a, a paranormal story or a haunted house, this place had it. Oh, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Hey, Chippy, round um, trip. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, road exactly. trip, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to find you and hang out in that, that bar. You know. <laughs> all, all the stories that I've got accumulated. Um, so, yeah, we, we did experience things. Um, we did see things. Um, you know, uh, while we were filming, uh, Charlie McCracken came down with uh, a, a disease. Uh, he had all the symptoms oh, of malaria. No. Oh my uh, God. He was in the hospital for uh, several weeks. His, his uh, oh, organs began shutting down. Um, oh my God! He, he, it was you know, it was horrible. Uh, like I said, we had the um, uh, the, the computer crashes, the problems. And there's a whole website uh, about the curse of Mothman, uh, and and we actually made it onto that website. Uh, we we we're not affiliated with the website, but they actually have, have mentioned. Us oh, if, they, if they're good at their research, they would have you on. Yeah. So that they, uh, so that they talked about, you know, what what had happened because you know there were all of these things that went on with with the three of us that were involved, personal problems, uh, car accidents, the 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 sickness that that Charlie developed, all of this stuff, just you know, one one tragedy after wow. after another, uh, and. So it was a very interesting uh, experience. Uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, it's it's opened a lot of doors, a lot of conversations, a lot of shows where I get to talk about what happened. I get to talk about my theories as to what I think was going on in the '60s. What you know, what's still going on there today. Um, you know, Bill Bill Bean wants to go. He's like, you got to take me. So I said, uh, <laughs> uh, like, now there's a road trip. Yeah, uh, Nick Redfern, a good friend of mine, uh, oh, a zoologist, sure. uh, UFO researcher. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he's been uh, the past couple of years. He goes to the Mothman Festival. He speaks there. He's you know, okay. he and I have talked uh, at that length about Mothman. Uh, interviewed him for for my shows, and uh, he's you know, we, we, in some interesting insight there. Like I said, Ellie Marzuli, a uh, good friend, uh, has been a client. I've worked with him. Uh, wow. Great, great theories, great concepts uh, on his part. Uh, interviewed me for his radio show. Um, he, he's still wanting to do. He, he has a set of DVDs called the Watchers DVD series, and oh. he's still wanting to do one that uh, is focused solely on the Mothman. Uh, so well, that, that would make to, sense to contribute. Yeah, to, to contribute and work with him on that project. Um, and like I said, just uh, contributed a chapter to Bill. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and his new book, and uh, it's kind of fun, you know. Here, like I said, on Halloween, All Hallows Eve, to be talking right. with you guys about something that uh, occupied six years of my life, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a huge chunk of investment, of time, energy, money, uh, and projects, and, and things like that. Uh, it was fun. It, it really was. Mm-hmm. And of course, I uh, about four years ago, and there was a parting of ways between myself and and Charlie McCracken, who had served as the director uh, and had been my, my business partner and, and friend for many years, mm. that we parted ways about, about four years ago. Um, and that's when uh, we were we were starting to, to work on the, the sequel, uh, which was going to take the lectures that I did at the festival, and we were going to turn that into a script, and we were actually going to bring and have an expert from uh, the Judeo-Christian standpoint uh, the the solidly uh, uh, Jewish standpoint, the Native American standpoint, um, the Islamic standpoint, mm-hmm. historical uh, individuals that could address the uh, the Babylonian, the Sumerian, the the Aztec, the ancient wow. Egyptian cultures, awesome. and talk about the the religious implications of these sightings mm. um, when these winged entities have manifested <clears throat> themselves to civilizations in the past. What did that mean? How did they? How did the civilizations respond? Were they harbingers of doom? Were they there to guide? Were they there to teach? What were they? Were they good? Were they bad? Are they both? Are they like us? You know, are there good mothmen and bad mothmen? You know, it, yeah. how do you? How do you? And, and and when you start talking about something like that, how do you even classify what's good and what's bad? Mm-hmm. What's evil? Wow. What's not? Uh, so what a great uh, perspective, a, though. Yeah, I mean, you, because you're covering good and bad both, and and who, exactly. who does that? And, 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 and wanting to, to have these individuals, you know, of different religions and different cultures talk about, in their culture, what these entities would mean, mm-hmm. and and kind of break it down. And we, it was it was very in depth. We had a, uh, uh, it may not have been as interesting or as fun as the first one, but it was definitely going to be uh, insightful, and we wanted it to be educational and, and entertaining. Um, that didn't come to fruition. Well, so it's I still something that would work in this day and age, though. I think it, this is the day and is. age for it. And that's why you know I, I took the research, I took my notes, and started turning it into a uh, a manuscript uh, mm-hmm. that would partially be a retrospective on you know all the stuff that we had gone through making the first film, and then the new research and the new pieces of information, new sightings, um, wow. new new occurrences. Um, where where was Mothman being sighted at? What was happening in those locations? How was it affecting the eyewitnesses? How were they dealing with it? Um, were there deaths associated? If there were, were they tragic deaths? Were they accidental deaths? Were they uh, horrendous deaths? You know, what? Just looking at it from every possible perspective and angle that we possibly could. Travis, is there is there any chance that we can get LA on 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 this show as our guest? It is very possible. I will I will mention it to him and see. Awesome. I will I, be more than happy. You know, I will be more than happy to to point him in your direction and see if he would be willing to come on the show. That'd be great. I reached out to him a couple months ago, and he he was out of, out of the country for a while. And I haven't yeah, he does. <clears throat> yeah, he takes his his tours uh, across the country. He does a lot of of. Um, what I'm looking for a cruise. I've never been on one. That's why I couldn't come up with the word. I've been on a cruise. He does a lot of cruises, international cruises, uh, wow. where he does lectures and he has his, uh, you know, his his guests uh, to come on board and they they deal with the the Nephilim and UFOs and aliens and the, wow. uh, the alien agenda and things like that. Now that's the life, you know. 
cruising. Yeah. It's, it's got to be a, a good way to uh, to go. I actually had one for Bill Bean prepared back uh, in December, but it was in December 2012. And, oh. uh, it was <laughs> like, yeah, and Bill's like, I don't really think I want to be on a, on a boat in the middle of the ocean if the world is going to end. <laughs> I, I, I don't think... I said, I understand. I said, we'll, we'll see if we can book it another time. I'll see if I can, can get it uh, get it moved. If, if, if we're still here in 2013, I'll see if I can get a, yeah, right. uh, yeah. a rain check on, on that cruise. That's but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this out loud on behalf of Timmy and I both. We love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you are phenomenal. Well, I, thank I just, you, guys. I, I love you guys. I love being on the show. This is great. This is been- um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it it, it it was it was a passion of mine for a very long time. Then it became work, and then mm-hmm. it became tedious. <laughs> and now it's kind of fun. To, it's it's kind of fun to talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, because um, you know, when Bill asked me to write that chapter for the book, I'm like, okay. So you know, got all the research out, started researching again, and and really got you know kind of passionate about it. Um, and really going, okay, well, you know, here's a, I've already done one chapter. Why not just go ahead and write, you know, 15, 16 more and just put the book together? Um, so I'm, I'm really considering uh, making that my, my 2019 project, just going in and getting the, getting the book mm-hmm. written wow. and, uh, and get it out there for, for folks to read. Wow. Well, I think we know publishers, right, Timmy? Oh, yeah. yeah, we know quite a few, actually. <laughs> one yeah, one manager of work, so... Yeah, you know, oversees the production of this network. They have their own okay. production company. They're pretty busy building up the network at the moment, but they do have a, a, a publishing company. You know, so, yeah, just wanted to say that out loud, too. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, you know, we want to continue this relationship, man. You're good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, those theories and, and how you take them really all the way back, I mean, not... Not just back to the 1700s, but you know, you're really taking them back to the beginning of civilization, you know, and and tracing the possible with the Anunnaki and the Nephilim and the Sumerians and absolutely, uh, yep. and that's that's phenomenal. I mean, we we just we never hear that, and that that's has to be commended. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you. Uh, it was you know at the time, um, I the first Mothman festival that I spoke at was 2006. Okay. That was three years into the project. At the time, uh, I was the first person to ever draw these comparisons uh, for, from a religious and, and spiritual standpoint. Everybody was thinking extraterrestrial, cryptid, mutation, or or something in those lines. But to take it in a totally different direction and say, okay, well, what we're dealing with may actually be something spiritual. Mm-hmm. It may be something that is tied to the land. It may be tied mm-hmm. to you know a generational curse. It could be, you know, one of the things that we haven't gotten into in this show. I get into it in the documentary and and in the manuscript that I've been working on. Is this area, as I mentioned, that Men in Black? You had countless haunted houses. The the asylum, the the mental institution that I talked about, is just one of many that were supposedly haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got animal mutilations uh, mm-hmm. throughout the area. You had in the TNT area, as I mentioned, it's like 800 acres of, of, of you know, reclaimed land. I mean, people basically go to camp there, they fish there. Uh, it's a wildlife reserve. Um, but in the 60s and 70s, there was a lot of satanic and occult activity going on uh, based mm-hmm. on the eyewitnesses that we talked to. They mm-hmm. had seen, and we were there one Halloween, actually. We were there 
We did. We were in Point Pleasant on Halloween. <laughs> and uh, we actually met a group of paranormal investigators. We did a, a ghost hunt in the, uh, the haunted asylum. Okay. And we were like, okay, now we want to go to the TNT area. And they're like, no. And I said, we do not wow. go in the TNT area on Halloween. <clears throat> wow. They said, we refuse to. And they said, there's, there's too much activity. There's too many things going on. We don't even want to get anywhere near that. So even in, in the early 2000s, you know, this, the, the TNT area had this, you know, reputation for that going wow. on. Yeah, the veil was that, thin, especially on Halloween. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, uh, so then there, you know, there have been individuals, uh, one of the, one of the stories that we uncovered, the TNT area, when it was built, was designed by a group of, of government subcontractors. They came and they built that facility. They, they built two other facilities in this country is what we were able to, to ascertain from eyewitnesses um, that talked with us. One was Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the nuclear reactor. Wow. Wow. The third was Groom Lake, Nevada. Area wow. Oh, wow. No. wow. Oh, my Lord. So wow. now you have, of course, the government conspiracy tie. Is, mm -hmm. you know, is sure. something that is tied to Area 51? Is it tied? Mm -hmm. to, so there's, there's all of the, like I said, it, it was like peeling layers you know, of onion. You know, we, would, we would get one great story, and then we would talk to, say, oh, you need to talk to this person. And we're like, okay, now that's pointing us in a different direction. Now it's giving mm -hmm. us some new information to follow. Sure. It was just, it, it, and, and it was like all over the place, but they were all connected. There were all these right. connections. Um, so, can I ask you about one? Because it's sure. something I saw recently. Because you mentioned that you work with a, uh, well, I'm sure that you must have worked with occultists. I mean, you were talking about, you know, the the kind of, uh, uh, you know, demons and uh, satanic uh, things and and things of that nature. And uh, you know, when I talk to occultists, they all seem to tie into conspiratorial theories more than most people do. Do you yes. see that also, or is that just me? No, I see it. Uh, we see it. I see it more and more uh, now. Okay. Uh, it, it's becoming much more prevalent. I think um, the more um, I think the more we see the deterioration of society, and we are seeing that. Uh, we're seeing mm -hmm. uh, a deterioration. Yeah, I can't talk right now. I'm not yeah, I know. Well, it's it's painful it's to think crazy. about, you know, because yeah. we've got this nice community here, right here on Supernatural Realm, you know. <laughs> there's there's a lot of love in this room, and it's hard to think about how divided things are today. It is. It, it's divided. It's segregated. There's hatred. Uh, there's animosity. There's there's meanness. Uh, yeah. And I think the more that I'm, I'm seeing that, the more I'm hearing people talk about, you know, a, a, a one-world conspiracy and new world mm -hmm. order conspiracy that things are pushing us to the brink of something it's either going to be the annihilation of civilization or it's going to be the you know the the disclosure uh, apocalypse, the revealing the revolution something something is going to you know we're, we're being pushed to a breaking point yeah. and the, the more people that i talk to and I, i've got some clients that are you know psychic and medium and i've got some clients that are still uh like bill bean who are spirit warriors and bill bill if you guys haven't gotten into bill's conspiratorial theories you really need to when you get him on the show get him talking because oh. he and i have had in-depth conversations about his uh his view on that uh and and he's got some very interesting views oh, i believe that uh, 
And uh, Bill's got, you know, if you guys haven't talked to Bill about his UFO encounters, you need to do that because Bill's got wow. some UFO stories there, too. Uh, there, there's a lot to Bill Bean besides just what he endured growing up and what he relays in Dark Force. There's a, a lot of, of other uh, things that he's encountered and, you know, really talked to him about some of his deliverances and the exorcisms of the things that had, that's, that's manifested, the things that he's seen. Uh, some of the things that he's gone through. Uh, wow. And actually, I interviewed uh, about two years ago uh, Tia Bell, who is a psychic medium in New Jersey. She was on A&E for a while. Okay. Uh, psychic Tia. Uh, she actually assisted Bill in an exorcism uh, there in, in uh, it was either New York or New Jersey. Um, and I, I've heard Bill give his, you know, his account of what happened. I've heard her give her account of what happened. And it's amazing that it's the same story, and they talk about the exact same things, but there mm-hmm. were different encounters, different wow. perspectives of that event. And to hear both of them tell that story, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing experience to hear them just talk about everything that they encountered during that particular exorcism. Yeah, we've we got them sometime next week, Tim, is it? Yeah, Wednesday, 7 to 9. Wednesday. Yeah. So Wednesday, seven nine. Uh, yep, a week from today. Yep. Wow. Are we, are we Studio A or Studio B? Studio next? A. Yeah. Studio A next. All right. Seven to nine. See, I think what Timmy and I learned most of all is that you know we need you to promote us a little bit because you're doing a really good job with Bill Bean. You know, so we'll have to talk about that sometime when we road trip down to Absolutely. that. <laughs> yeah, come on down. Well, I will say this, I, and I have done this every interview I've ever done. The second weekend in september is the mothman festival i encourage anybody who is interested in the mothman take a trip to point pleasant it's a two-day event it's all free it's a it's a it's a street fair is basically what it is uh the lectures are free uh the only thing that you really pay for there are your souvenirs your food your lodging um and they do a haunted hayride and they actually take up a donation Hmm. for the haunted hayride and that's done through the TNT area. But it's an amazing experience. Uh, you, and, and you'll you be there this them. coming September? I don't know. I, you know I, I've had several people recommend that I come back and speak again. They've, they've told me, they've, they've sent me the emails and say, you know, we, we've contacted the festival. We would like to have you come back. I have not been back since 2009. Hmm. Um, that was my no last kidding. trip. It's been, yeah. it's, it's been almost 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's been about 10 years. I have, the past three years, intended to go. Gotcha. And something has always come up uh, at the last minute and, and, and not been able to, to make the trip. And I so, think uh, Timmy and I can get that, you know, because yeah. we, we've had, it's kind of like a burnout because you, you I mean, you've, you've done this thing, you know, it's, it's yeah. been such a part of your life. And then, and then it gets to the work and then it gets, you know, hard. And then, because uh, we had the, the thing when we, in paranormal, too, right around that time, you mm-hmm. know, or at least within that time and the uh, four years after, you know, say 2009 to 2012 or 13, where you see all these teams break up and all these, mm-hmm. you know, partners break up. And then you, if you talk to one, you get in trouble from the other, you know, how come <laughs> yeah. out? And, you talk, oh. and it's like walking a, a minefield. And so, yeah, we just, we, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, Timmy kept the radio show on, but basically, you know, I, I hid for about two years. Timmy kind of hid, except for the radios, you know, I mean, yeah, outside of radio, I, I he was actually, hiding. Yeah, I, I experienced that. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, not so much personally, but representing Bill Bean, and I've told the story, and I'm not, I'm not going to, to, to throw anybody under the bus, but I think it's a story that has to be told because it's, it, it addresses exactly what you're talking about because 
the paranormal field likes to put on this front that it's a really close knit family. Yeah, yeah, paranormal yeah. unity. We've been rooting for it. You know? <laughs> and and it's like that's not the case. Uh, it's like world peace. Of, yeah, wishing of, for world yeah, peace. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's this there's all of these these egos that get involved and oh, everybody yeah, wants exactly. to be the next ghost hunters or they want right. to be the next you know Zach Bagans. Yeah. They want and to be, their hey, theory is the thing and if it's not their yes. theory then you're you're nothing and you're not a part of us and yeah yeah the motivation. So I wrong. back in back in 2013 I booked Bill Bean to speak at an event. Uh, I'm not going to say where. I just did an event and mm -hmm. uh, it was okay. uh, a, 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 it was a charitable organization had a paranormal theme and uh, he was going to be there to speak uh, to do book signing all of that all of a sudden he's getting phone calls they're bypassing me he's getting phone calls from a different paranormal group from the same community trying to get him trying to get him to to not show up at this event <laughs> to to yeah we've been there Timmy <laughs> oh my god and yeah. And, you know, so he starts calling me and he's like, you know, what, what's going on here? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll take a look at it. So I started, you know, I, I contacted this other group and I'm like, you know, uh, Bill's already booked for this event. We've made a commitment. We, we've entered into a, a verbal agreement. I've got a written contract. It's already been signed. He said, Bill's going to be there. I said, if you guys would like him to be at your event, we can make that happen. I said, well, you know, we can have him come after the event. We can have him come the next day. Right? We can do a special event with you. We, we can make this work. The mind and... <laughs> and no, they they would have none of that. And so then it wasn't bad enough that that they they didn't want to work with me. Then they start posting to me on my public Facebook wall all of these nasty things. Oh, they're trolling about now. me oh, yeah. and yeah. about Bill and yeah. and how what horrible quote unquote representatives of Christianity we are. That, oh, they, they went there. Oh, they, they went, went there. there. Oh and they're posting all of this stuff. And then they, they, they open and create this public page for them to get on and they're and they're just bad mouthing us publicly and they're, you mm -hmm. know, inviting people to like it and they're tagging us so people are seeing, oh well they're talking about real oh things talking about God. the short, so we're gonna go to the stage. Oh it was just horrible. Yeah. And finally finally Bill said I mean, he said, Look, he said, I'm 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 out. Uh, I'm not going to do any of the events. And, and, and I said, that's fine. I said, we'll, we'll cancel. cancel. This is an exorcist, and he wants out. I know. He was like, this is, you know, this is over my head. I didn't want to deal with this. But I was able to get the, the, the organization that I that I had worked with, the one that had booked Bill, I was actually able to get Andrea Perrin. Oh, I love it. I just had, yeah, had her last Monday yeah. on my show. Yeah. Yeah. She, she filled in. She went. She did her book signing. She, she did the whole thing. They loved her. It was great. Yeah. It worked out. But it, it's that sort of thing. You know, you, you just go, what are you? Why? 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 Can't we, can't we just have fun? Can't we just all get along? Get along? <laughs> can't we just be okay? If, you know, it's a sad thing is that's the best quote of a decade. Where I it know. came from, a guy who was on THC being beat up by ten cops, you know. I know. <laughs> it, you know, but still the best quote. But of, it's, still, you know. it, it's a great, it's a great quote. It, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. perfect. But it, it it's like, you know, I've got I've got a good friend in, in Ohio, Lee Allen, uh, and his wife Patty. And they've got a group called Paravisions, and they're you know paranormal oh, investigators. I know. And mm -hmm. I've worked with yeah. them. I've, I've represented them and and helped yeah, them well. with some things, but. but the one thing that I can say about about Lee and about his group is they do stress unity in the paranormal community. Oh, yeah. they, that's all they preach. That's all. That's all that they talk about. It's like you know, 
it's not about egos. It's not about being famous. It's not about this. It's not about that. We're doing this because a we have a passion for it. B most of us have been touched in some form or fashion by the the, the paranormal, the supernatural. So we're trying to find answers. Yeah. And their slogan is "Keep looking into the unknown," mm-hmm. and that's what they do. They push that over and over. You know, just mm-hmm. let's work together. Let's keep looking into the unknown together. We'll find some answers. That's and that. so you know, he he you know Lee and his group does that. Uh, Andrea Perrin is all about that. Bill mm-hmm. Bean is all about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tia Bell uh, is all about that. Cindy McKeon is another. She's a, a psychic astrologer sure. yeah. uh, that I work with out of. She was in Kansas City. Uh, she's now in Knoxville, Tennessee, and getting oh. ready to relocate uh, uh, probably in the next couple of years. Um, but you know, she's all about the unity, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the paranormal community, bringing bringing people together, not driving, not driving wedges and driving us apart, and these fiefdoms and and oh, you know, my my team did this investigation first, or I said this first, or you know, my picture has to be bigger, right, or you know, right. my picture. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's 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 old, you know, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm right. tired. I got tired of it very quickly. Um, We'll have to get them on, Timmy, because, you know, that's, Timmy and I with the Supernatural Realm have been all about that. Yeah. I actually know uh, Lee and his wife. We, um, Do you really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. I was. They were my guest on a show, on this show, uh, a couple years ago on Z Talk Radio, and uh, I was actually their guest afterwards on, nice. on, on their network. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Z Talk, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's when I was they, in hiding. I've had, <laughs> <laughs> I've had them on my show, uh, they, and, and, and I've been on theirs. And yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, Lee, Lee and Patty and and uh, and the entire crew there at Paravision is just just you know outstanding folks. Um, wow. uh, love them to death. Have uh, have watched them for about five years now. I, I met them about five years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they you know worked with them, helped them. Uh, Create a uh, sizzle reel for a pilot uh, for a reality TV show, um, oh. and uh, didn't get picked up. But that's often the way that, way that it that it happens. I actually worked for uh, for a couple of years with a, a firm out of LA that did reality TV shows. So oh, I was wow. kind of um, what was it? What the title he gave me was like, you know, program research and development. Basically, he just sent all the junk emails to me, and I talked to people. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I was the gatekeeper, you know, here's an idea. Okay. Well, let's see where you know, will this work out? Is there a market for this? What's your budget? And, and oh, it makes sense that you're the guy. We did, a, no, we did a couple of, did a couple of pilots, a couple of sizzles in, in different genres. Uh, but, uh, it was fun. Uh, wow. it was, it was interesting. It was entertaining. Um, and now I've come full circle. I'm back in broadcasting and back managing radio stations, you know, sales and marketing and public relations and community outreach and quotas and goals and dividends and bottom lines and stressful meetings with owners and all that good stuff. So wow. we got about we got about three minutes left. Travis, you got anything to say in closing? Um, just I, I appreciate the chance to come in at any time you guys need uh, a filler you, you get a cancellation let me know I'll be wow. more than happy to come on and talk with you guys I will get in touch with uh, with L.A. Marzulli awesome. see if we can get him lined up and uh, just want to you know again right now I, I, I don't market anything for myself I don't have any products uh, the, the only thing I've got is the chapter that's coming out in Bill's book Stranger Fiction 
by Bill Bean that'll be out probably. He's hoping to have it out before the holidays. Uh, it's it's already gone to uh, to edit and be ready for the publisher. Uh, so he's wanting to have it ready for for the holiday season. It's got some great stuff in it. Uh, not just my chapter. My chapter is, is is nothing compared to some of the great stories that he that he recounts for uh, the readers uh, about things that literally are stranger than fiction. Um, and his life does pretty much embody and encapsulate that. And so that I would say, just you know, check out BillBean.net, uh, look for the book, and um, keep watching uh, for other things coming from him. And who knows? Maybe in 2019, I'll you know I'll be back on the show talking about my book. So oh, I hope so. We'd yeah, love to have you back, great. Travis. You are you are. Yeah, phenomenal. we would. Thank you. Jeez, oh, I might even poach him, Timmy. <laughs> That's a rare thing. I don't like poaching guests from Timmy. I have to do a very quick uh, shameless plug. Monday nights uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. on Studio A here on LNMRadioNetwork.com. I have a show called Kindness Beyond the Veil, where we look at the kinder side of paranormal and metaphysics and supernatural and ufology and all that stuff. And boy, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if I'll actually poach him, but I'd love to, Timmy. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, good. Good. I'm a free agent. I can pretty much go anywhere. So, nice. <laughs> certainly great, I, great promotions. I, well, I, I I've loved being on the show. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have an awesome All Hallows Eve, Halloween, and All Saints Day tomorrow. And um, it, for individuals out there, I'm, I'm giving a shout out now. I want to give a shout out to to uh, Jenny Wiley State Resort Park. That's actually where I stay through the week. I'm doing my show with you guys from there tonight, my room. Oh. Uh, I live with them. I live with them through the week. They're kind of like a second family here. Um, I've been here for, I've been living with them for over a year uh, through the week. I go back to Virginia on the weekends. And uh, just wanna, I just want to, I try to plug them and promote them. If you guys are ever in the eastern Kentucky area, Jenny Wiley State Resort Park is a beautiful, beautiful establishment here. It's got an 1,100-acre lake, Dewey Lake. Uh, they rent out pontoons. You can get out on the water, do the entire, it's 18 miles of um, coastline uh, around this 1,100-acre lake. It's absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful lodge, restaurant, nice bar, Admiral Dewey's, great great atmosphere they've got plenty of rooms cabins you know campground year-round it's open <laughs> throughout the, it's open 365 so road trip time to, to <laughs> uh but i, I do want to to give that shout out uh to them i appreciate what they let me let me letting me live here through the week and you know take up space and don't get me wrong they 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 get a good chunk of change back in in, in the dining and the bar bill but other than mm-hmm. that it's it's not a bad way to live uh, well, we'll we'll dine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank time. you guys so yeah. much. You're welcome. Yep. It's time for oh, us to go, uh-huh. and uh, you know, for the next show here. So I got we got to be off by six fifty-five. So it's time to go. All right. Um, be sure to tune in next week from five to seven p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on the LNM Radio Network, and of course on Wednesdays from seven to nine p.m. Eastern, right here. On the LNM Radio Networks on Studio A. We'll be here. <laughs> Good night, everybody. God bless. Have a great week. Good night. Yeah, thanks for listening. Nice to have you with us. Take care. You are welcome here. It's not a place of fear. We've got you to your neighbor. Take a look around. The rain's falling. Oh
October day I'm so sorry